0: Welcome to Commentaries on the Book of the Prophet Jeremiah and the Lamentations by John Calvin. We are continuing to read at page 160 for this reading, which is Lecture 11th. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, Are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now to SWRB's reading of Commentaries on the Book of the Prophet Jeremiah and the Lamentations by John Calvin, which we hope you find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. John 14:6. Lecture 11th. Verse 4. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my Father? Thou art the guide of my youth. God, after having set forth the wickedness of his people and severely reproved them as they deserved, now kindly invites them to repentance. Wilt thou not say to me hereafter, he says, my Father? Some incorrectly render the words, Wilt thou say to me, my father, as though God would reject what they said? And they give the meaning that the Jews would act dishonestly in thus glorying in God's name, from whom they were so alienated. But very different is the meaning of the prophet, for God mitigates the severity of the reproof which which we have observed, and shows that he would be ready to be reconciled to them if they repented. Nay, he waits not for their repentance, but of his own accord meets and allures those those perfidious apostates. What, says God, shall there be no more any union between us? For God expresses here the feeling of one grieving and lamenting when he saw the people perishing, and he seems anxious, if possible, to restore them. It is with this design that he asks, Will they not again call on me as their father and the guide of their youth? And by this paraphrastic way of speaking, he intimates that he was the husband of that people, for most tender is that love which a youth has for a young virgin in the flower of her age. God then makes use now of this comparison, and says that he still remembered the love which he had manifested towards his people. In short, he shows here that pardon was ready if the people sought reconciliation, and he confirms the same thing when he adds, verse 5, Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. God shows that it was the fault of the Jews that he did not receive them into his favor. And here he takes the argument from his own nature and speaks of himself in the third person. And it is the same as though the prophet had interposed this reasoning, God is not inexorable, for he is as ready to forgive as he is long-suffering. Now then, what prevents you from living happily again under his government? For he will spare you, provided he finds in you genuine repentance. We now see what the prophet means here. For as God had kindly exhorted the people to repent, the prophet speaks now generally of God's own nature, that he keeps not forever, nor reserves perpetually. These words, when put alone, mean that he does not cherish vengeance, and in our language, we, in, we imitate the Hebrews, garde. This garde, G-A-R-D-E, when put without anything added to it, means, as I have said, that vengeance is cherished within. But nothing is more contrary than this to the nature of God. It hence follows that the, Je- that the Jews had no obstacle in their way except that they shunned God, and that being addicted to their own vices they were unwilling to receive the pardon that was freely offered to them. As to the second clause, it admits of being explained in two ways. We may regard an adversative, adversative particle to be understood, though thou hast spoken and hast done, as if God had said that he would be propitious to the Jews however atrociously they may have however atrociously they might have sinned. But another view is more simple. The God here complains that there was no hope of amendment, as they had become hardened in their vices. Thou hast spoken, he says, thou hast done, and thou hast been able. And interpreters further vary in their views. For the copulative is explained by some of the particle of comparison, in the sense of K-E-A-S-H-E-R, which is a non-English word, According to what thou wert able, thou hast done wickedness. But others take the words more simply and more correctly, as I think. Thou hast been very strong. That is, thou hast exerted all thy power, so that thou hast put forth all thy strength in doing evil, as we say in Latin, pro virili, with all thy might. That is, as far as thy capacity extended, thou hast devoted thyself to wickedness. Footnote. This and the preceding verse have been variously explained. The view given by Calvin has has been most commonly adopted, but it is hardly consistent with a literal rendering of the original, which I consider to be as follows. Verse 4 Hast thou not from this time called to me, My father, the guide of my youth, art thou? Verse 5 Will he reserve wrath forever, or keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and hast done evils and persevered from time to time that is the spoken bef- this, the time spoken of before when the people followed idolatry. during this time they called God their father and promised themselves the remittance of his displeasure. They said this and yet followed their superstitions. This is the view which Gattaker seemed most disposed to take. hoarsely thus paraphrases the last line, Thou hast persisted incorrigibly in doing evil. The Septuagint gives called in the past tense. The Vulgate in the imperative. "voca, call. The Syriac, the Arabic, and the Targum in the future sense. Will thou not call? The received text has a non-English word, which is no doubt wrong. The IOD, which is a non-English word, is not found in very many manuscripts, and all the early versions agree in giving the verb in the second person. The same is to be said of non-English word. It ought to be another non-English word, though hoarsely prefers the former, but neither the early versions nor the context favor it. The phrase non-English word is rendered by the septuagint as a house, and by the Arabic as a daughter. How such mistakes could have been made, it is difficult to say. The Syriac has hereafter and the Targum from this time. Editor. and footnote. I therefore give this explanation. God had before put on, as it were, the character of one in grief and sorrow, and kindly exhorted the people to repent, and testified that he would be ready to pardon them, and at the same time showed in general that he would be propis- propitious, as he is by nature inclined to mercy. After having set forth these things, he now adds that he despaired of that people because they gloried in their own wickedness. For to speak and to do means the same as if he had said that the people were so impudent that they boasted of their rebellion against God and dared to call darkness light. For the superstitious, we know, glory against God without any shame. Now such was the state of the people, for God, by his prophets, condemned this especially in them, that they had corrupted the pure worship of the law, but they with a meretricious front dared to set up against him their own devotions and good intentions, as they are commonly called. As then, they thus presumptuously defended their wicked deeds. God here complains that they were in no way healable, and so he leaves them as past remedy. This I regard as the real meaning of the prophet, and of similar import is the verb t-u-c-a-l, c-a-l, which is a Hebrew, non-English word. Thou hast put forth all thy might. He says, that is, thou hast observed no limits in sinning, but on the contrary, hast given up to be unbridled licentiousness. It now follows, verse 6. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain, and under every green tree, and there hath plain the the harlot. Verse 7 And I said, after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me. But she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Verse 8 And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Here the prophet enters on a new discourse. He relates what God had committed to him and mentions the time even in the reign of Josiah. It is indeed well known that the land was then cleansed from superstitions, for that pious king labored to restore the true worship of God, and to remove all the filth and defilements by which the temple and the whole of religion had been corrupted. He strenuously exerted himself, and now, no doubt there was, no, there was an improved appearance of religion through the land. But we shall see that a great portion of the people were under the influence of hypocrisy and deceit, as it is usually the case when rulers seek to support the pure worship of God, and to free it from all corruptions. For there are many hypocrites who for a time dissemble, while the same antipathy to God still remains. Such was then the condition of the people. And this ought to be carefully observed, for Jeremiah might have appeared to have dealt somewhat too sharply and rigorously with his own nation, as reform was in the mouth of all, according to what we find to be the case with many now who have Who, having left the superstitions of the papacy, seemed at first to embrace the doctrines of the gospel, but all now wish to be satisfied with any kind of reformation. At the same time, they shake off the yoke of Christ and can bear submission to no discipline. In short, their object is to subvert all order, and yet they boldly claim to be the advocates of reformation, whenever their impiety is reproved. This was no doubt the contest which Jeremiah had to to carry on, the same with that by which the Lord tries his servants at this day. He therefore says that he received this commission in the days of Josiah, that is, when that king was laboring to establish the pure worship of God, and no one dared to oppose. For we find that God was then worshipped by the whole people, without any external corruptions. But what is contained in this commission? Hast thou seen, he says, what apostate Israel hath done? God here compares the ten tribes with the tribe of Judah, with whom was united, as it is well known, the half-tribe of of Benjamin. He then compares Israel with the tribe of Judah. Do you not see what rebellious Israel hath done? That he introduces the kingdom of Israel as well as the kingdom of Judah under the character of women. For God, as it has already appeared, represents himself as the husband of his people. He then says that he had two wives, even Israel and Judah. God had indeed espoused to himself the whole seed of Abram by one contract. But Jeremiah speaks here in a popular manner. Though the Israelites had departed from God, yet he had not wholly rejected them. The kingdom of Israel had then become adulterous. But God for a time bore without sin, so that the covenant in part remained. For this reason he acknowledges as his wives both Israel and Judah. Hence he says, Hast thou not seen what estranged Israel hath done? The word, the Hebrew word M-E-S-H-I-B-E is derived from another Hebrew word, S-H-U-B, which signifies both to return and to repart. And Jerome everywhere renders it adversatrix one who turns aside or is estranged. Footnote. It is correctly rendered as a noun for had it been an adjective or a participle, it would have followed the word Israel. Literally it is the apostasis the apostatus. Hast thou seen what she did, the apostatis Israel? Or it may be rendered the backslider Israel, though the word is deficient, having no feminine termination. Termination, I apologize. Editor. and footnote. But some render it rebellious. We might say more correctly in French, debauchée. She went, he says, on every high hill and under every shady tree, and there played the harlot. In short. God complains that the ten tribes had violated the sacred bond of marriage when they prostituted themselves to idols, even on all high hills and under all shady trees, for as I have already said, they chose those places as though there was some holiness both on mountains and under shades of trees. He afterwards adds, Yet I said, God here states that he had long suspended his judgment before he punished the people of Israel. He then extols here his patience, that he had not immediately visited the Israelites as they deserved, but bore with them, and for a long time waited to see whether they could be reclaimed. I said then, after she had done all these things, return to me. If we read in the the third person, the sense will be the same. I hoped indeed that they would return to the right way, though they had thus fallen away yea they though they had denied me by an impious defection, and I had become alienated from the faith and from piety, but I am more inclined to another view that God here records the fact that He had recalled to himself the ten tribes by his servants the prophets, though they had been though they had by their many crimes provoked his wrath. here then God shows how perverse the Israelites had been. For he had tried to restore them, if possible, to himself, but had spent all his labor in vain. I thus explain, I said, of the prophet instruction, Though though then the Israelites had plunged themselves into impieties, I yet ceased not to try whether they could be restored to me. He intimates, in short, that he had been unlike those husbands, who will be not reconciled to their wives, burning with jealousy, because they see that they had been exposed to so much disgrace. God then shows that though the Israelites had departed from him, he yet sent his prophets, and of his own free will sought reconciliation with them, but that they had refused to return. Footnote: The difficulty at the beginning of the eighth verse may be removed either by adopting non-English word as in two manuscripts, and taking the verb to be in hilfil, or non-English word, as in one manuscript, as a repetition of the former verb, according to the Syriac. It is left out in the Vulgate, but it is most suitable in the context to take the verb to be in hilfil. Then the passage would read thus. Verse 6. Hast thou not seen what she did, the apostate Israel? Go did she on every high hill, and under every green tree, and play there the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, to me return, but she returned not. And see this did the hypocrite, her sister Judah. And I caused her to see that on all these accounts, as adultery the apostate Israel would commit, I dismissed her, and gave her the bill of her divorcement. Yet fear not, not, did the hypocrite Judah, her sister, but went and played the harlot, even herself. On all these accounts, or for all these reasons refers to several things, the first apostasy, God's invitation, and Israel's refusal. God caused Judah to see these things by his prophets, but Judah feared not. The word, non-English word, hypocrite, or the perfidious one, is a feminine participle used as a noun. It is explained in the text verse by feignedly or falsely. Hypocritus would be the correct rendering. It is rendered by the Septuagint, Faithless, By the Vulgate, Prevaricatris. And by the Targum, Falsifier or Cheat. Editor. End footnote. He then adds, See did she, that is the whole kingdom of Judah, that for all this, because the rebellious Israel had played the harlot. We shall hereafter find the design of this comparison, for he amplifies the sin of the kingdom of Judah, inasmuch she had time enough to observe what he now relates and was able to see it as a distance as it were from a watchtower yet she saw it without any advantage God then intended to show how great was the hardness of the Jews who had seen the defection of the ten tribes and had seen how severely they had been reproved by the prophets he then says and I saw as he had said that the kingdom of Judah had seen what happened to Israel so he now says that he had seen both See then did I Now what does he declare that he had seen? Even that Judah had played a harlot, for he now speaks of Judah as as of a woman, then God says that it was not a thing hid from him that Judah had surpassed the crimes of her sister, not through ignorance or deception, but through deliberate wickedness. See, he says, did I, that notwithstanding all these things she played the harlot. He thus explains more fully what he had briefly touched upon before. He had said that Judah had seen, but this on account of of its brevity might have appeared ambiguous. He therefore explains it more at large. See did Judah that I gave a bill of divorcement to her sister, because she had played the harlot, and yet she feared not. That is, she thought not of repenting, when she had such a striking example of vengeance set before her eyes. But it may be here asked, How could it be said that a bill of divorce had been given to the Israelites when he denies by the prophet Isaiah that he had given it? Isaiah 1.1 But the prophet here takes another view of the subject. For he does not speak here of the bills of divorce, such as were usually given when a husband repudiated a wife who had been chaste and faithful. But he speaks of that lawful divorce when a woman convicted of adultery is liable to a capital punishment. God then, by his prophet Isaiah, denies that he had been given a bill of divorcement. But he says here that he had given it, because he had repudiated an adulterous woman. It was not indeed at that time customary among the Jews to divorce an adulteress, for she was led to execution. But we have seen at the beginning of the chapter that there is a difference between God and husbands. As then God did not deal as he might have justly done with the Israelites, and did not execute a capital punishment, as he might rightly have done, and what was usually done, he says that he had given a bill of divorce, that is, that he had repudiated that people. But by that bill of divorce, he means exile. For when the ten tribes were banished, it was the same as though God openly showed that he had no connection with that people, as long as they continued in a holy land, and in a promised inheritance. Sometimes of union remained but when they were dispersed here and there and every sort of worship had ceased among them and also when the very kingdom of Israel had no longer in existence God had then divorced them see then did her sister Judah and she feared not it was indeed an instance of great insensibility not to learn wisdom at the expense of others and it is a complaint found everywhere in the prophets that the Jews were not stimulated to repentance while God spared them and at the same time set before them examples which ought in all reason to have terrified them. For what ought they to have considered but by that God would punish those many transgressions by which they provoked his wrath, since he had not spared their brethren? They saw that the kingdom of Israel had been abolished, and yet all of them derived their origins from the same father, even Abraham. How was it then that they, that they so heedlessly despised God's judgment? which had been for a long time before their eyes. Hence he complains that they they feared not. It now follows verse 9. And it came to pass, through the lightness of her whoredom, that that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. Here the prophet completes his charge, that so far was it that the punishment which God had inflicted on the Israelites had any effect on the tribe of Judah, that she surpassed by her levity and lustfulness the whoredoms of her sister, she has polluted he says the land or made the land to sin that is rendered the land guilty. It is indeed what what greatly exaggerates the crime when it is said that the land became guilty or contaminated. The land we know was in itself pure and could contract no pollution from the vices of men, but that the impiety of men might be exhibited the more detestable the land is said to have been contaminated by them or it may be said that the land was made guilty how so the reason why they are said to have contaminated the land or to have made it guilty or to have implicated it in their own vices he gives them these words she has played the harlot with stone and with wood footnote this verse may be thus rendered and it was that through the report of her fornication she polluted the land and she committed adultery with stone and wood. There is no instance of a non-English Hebrew word in the sense of swiftness being used as a noun. It is the Chaldee for the same non-English word, voice, fame, report. Gattacher paraphrases the word thus, by her notorious fornication. The early versions of the Targum all differ. Excessive addiction to idolatry is evidently what is spoken of. End footnote. Of this metaphor of playing the harlot, it is not necessary now to speak, for we have said already that this similitude is often repeated because God had united that people to himself and bound them to him, as it were, by the sacred bond of marriage. Hence, whenever the people departed from the pure worship of God, they are justly said to have, the ha- to have played the harlot, for they violated their pledged faith. As simplicity of faith is spiritual chastity, So apostasy is that shamelessness and perfidy when a wife becomes unfaithful to her husband by following adulterers. It afterwards follows. Verse 10. And yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but faintedly saith the Lord. He goes on with the same subject, that the Jews were not moved by any fear when they saw the dreadful vengeance executed on their brethren on account of their sins. Her perfidious sister, he says, returned not to me, that is, after so many warnings by the prophets, and such an example of punishment. He, however, as an explanation. She turned not with her whole heart, but feignedly and falsely. Footnote. This verse stands connected not with the preceding, but with the eighth. Yea, even for all this, returned to me did not the hypocrite. Her sister Judah with all her heart, but in falsehood, saith Jehovah in falsehood or by dealing falsely, as it may be taken by a participle, preceded by a preposition. Editor. End footnote. The prophet anticipates here such objections as the Jews might have alleged. What? Thou de- deniest that we have returned? Is not the whole land cleansed from idolatries? Is not God worshipping according worshipped according to the requirements of the law? Is there any more an altar seen under the shades of trees or on hills? As then they might have thus evaded the charge as they usually did, the, prophet's, the prophet obviates such an evasion and says, Though they have an appearance given some tokens of repentance, yet they have only put on a disguise and have acted falsely towards God, for there is no integrity in them. We now more clearly see why he had before specifically mentioned the time of Josiah, For the Jews then returned feignedly to God. There was in the king and in a few a right feeling, but in the rest a dissimulation only. God then in a few words shows that he cares not for that reformation which is false and feigned, but that he requires a genuine feeling within. Hence he thus concludes, verse 11, And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. We now see more clearly for what purpose Jeremiah compared the ten tribes with the kingdom of Judah. It was done in order to show that the Jews, who wished to be deemed far more holy than others, were yet more perfidious and deserved a heavier punishment because they acted so deceitfully with God. It may be here asked why he pronounces the Jews worse than the Israelites, while they still continued in a sort of middle state of things. We indeed know that the kingdom of Judah was become so corrupt that hardly any religion remained there. Yet the temple was still standing and the priesthood still existed at Jerusalem. But the prophet condemns the Jews more than the Israelites for other reasons, even because they ought to have become wise through the calamities of others, and they ought to have been confirmed in true religion when they saw their brethren falling away from the pure worship of God. These things they ought to have maturely considered. It was this supine sottishness that rendered them worse than all their brethren, and also their pride the chief cause of their condemnation, for they boasted that they remained perfect while the ten tribes had become degenerated, degenerated. These were the reasons why he says that Israel, through a perfidious woman, was yet more righteous than her sister, though a perfidious woman, was yet more righteous than her sister Judah. The language, indeed, is not to be strictly taken when it is said that she justified her soul. For God does not here excuse the Israelites, nor does he free or absolve them from guilt, for he had severely punished them. But this way of speaking is commonly used by the prophets. Sodom was righteous in comparison with Jerusalem, and Tyre and Sidon were just when compared with the Jews. Justified, then, has has she her soul even the treacherous or the apostate Israel in comparison with the perfidious Judah, that is for the reasons which I have stated. Footnote. This is a literal expression, but the word is often taken for oneself and ought often to be so rendered. See Numbers 35 Job 18.4 Psalm 7.2 God is said to swear by his soul, that is, by himself, Amos 6.8 Then, said Jehovah to me, justified herself hath apostate Israel more than the hypocrite Judah. Manifest and open apostasy is more honest than the double-dealing of hypocrites who combine God's worship with idolatry, nor is it so hateful to God, editor, and footnote. The obstinacy of the Jews was greater and less excusable, The external worship of God, which they had retained, ought to have been a bridle to check them, and they had also seen how severe a judge God had been towards the ten tribes. But the judgments of God they despised, and derived no benefit from them. Prayer. Grant, Almighty God, that since thou hast deigned to adopt us as thy people, and to unite us to thyself in thine only begotten Son, O grant that We may continue pure and chaste in our obedience to thy gospel, and never turn aside to those corruptions which disunite that sacred bond of union which has been confirmed between us by the blood of thy Son, but that we may so persevere in serving thee that our whole life and all our actions may be evidences of that holy calling by which is laid up for us the hope of eternal salvation until we shall at length come into the possession of that kingdom, which has been obtained for us by so great a price, and there enjoy the fruit of our faith, sincerity, and perseverance, through Christ our Lord. Amen. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts or on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada T6L 3T5 If you do not have a web connection please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list please send an email to add at SWRB.com or SWRB at SWRB.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you'll be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using that same email address that you've provided. Your email information will be kept confidential and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at with the word remove in the subject line. Once you're on our email list, you'll be alerted to all the new free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc. SWRB makes available on the web as well as at many times to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends, but we only authorize this as long as the full contents of this message, including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading, and remember that Isaiah 26.3 states Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians 13.11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you.